Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that rip-roaring welcome. It's good to be with you. Let's welcome the guys who are joining us online. Why don't you join me saying hi to guys at Cafe Church, Leicester, Cambridge, London, online. The Kingsgate family is growing. Would you agree? Well, we are today doing a bit of a turn. We're halfway through our series on the beauty of a transformed life. And we, over the last few weeks, we've been primarily looking at, if you will, our vertical relationship with God. And over this week and in the weeks to come, we're going to be looking more at our horizontal relationships with one another. And particularly today, focusing on our relationships to each other within the church as we look at the subject of growing in community. Now, I know many of you won't be aware, but I'm not actually from around these parts. Um, born, born in Nigeria, but raised in God's own county of Yorkshire, which, thank you very much, which is a few of you know was, is slightly further north, where it's a little bit cold, a little bit wetter, where kind of winter starts around September the 1st and ends J- July the 31st. <laughs> Now, when I was growing up, one of the things I remember distinctly was how cold it was in our house. Now, I know some of you will find this hard to believe, but the only heating we had in our house was a few electric three-bar heaters that used to fizz when you turned them on. They definitely wouldn't pass health and safety today. A few gas heaters that when you put a match to them, they exploded. Very exciting as a kid. Um, But the other thing I remember is that in my bedroom, in winter... There was ice on the inside of the window. It's true. Okay, this is not the four Yorkshiremen sketch. It's true. And I had, to, I had a pile of duvets. They were actually, anyone remember Eiderdowns? Massive, stupid, big things. It didn't make any difference. But anyway, that, that was my experience as a child. And one of the things I used to love doing was going down to our kitchen where there was an open fire. So it was the only room in the house often that was really warm. And I went there for two reasons. The first was because I liked being warm. <laughs> the second reason was because I enjoyed the fire. It was a coal fire, and I used to love sitting, literally just kind of enjoying the glow of the coals as they were together. And one thing I noticed about the fire was that when it was red hot, the coals looked glorious, beautiful, they were kind of on fire. But then if one of those coals fell out of the fire or was prodded with a poker, landed on the hearth, you know, it didn't take very long before that red hot coal became dim and returned to its colour. Do you know, you and I, we're a lot like those pieces of coal. And God has created for us a community, a fire, if you will, where you and I are called to belong in that fire like pieces of coal in a fire, where God has created a community where where we're in it, we can be on fire. Do you know that the great news about the New Testament, about what Jesus has done, is not only as he settled our issues of identity once and for all. We're children of the King. Anybody else here a child of the King? But he's done more than that. He's placed us in a community where we can belong. Do you know, God never designed you and I to do life on our own. He's created a community called the church where he calls for you and me to be in there in order that we can get on fire and stay on fire. Do you know, when we look at the life of Peter, who's central to our, our story of the beauty of a transformed life, what we see is this very principle lived out in his life. Uh, you'll know he spent three years literally doing life with Jesus and with 11 other men. 
And then when he comes to lead the church uh, in the book of Acts, we read this about the church that he led. It says they, but that includes Peter, so this is the culture of the church. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. What that means there is that Peter and those other Christ followers, they were devoting themselves to gathering together as Christians in community. And what I love about this is that for Peter, this wasn't something he did because someone was making him do it. They were beating him around the head with a big stick. He was like, I want to be there. I need to be there. Because actually it's in the community of the church where I get on fire and I stay on fire. Anybody want to be on fire for God? Stay on fire for God. Well, what we're going to look at today is three things we learn from Peter's experience of community where I believe if we apply these things in our life, you and I, we can keep growing in community and we can not only get on fire, we can actually stay on fire like he did through thick and thin. Now, I'm aware that there may be people here today, you're new to Kingsgate or you're just kind of finding a place here. My prayer for you is that you'll quickly become a coal in the fire that you'll find a place of belonging here. You realize God didn't design you to do life on your own and you don't have to. I hope today you'll take steps in. But I know for many of us, you're already on that journey. You're already rooted in. And my prayer for you today is you'll take away some practical things, but you'll also experience even today, fresh fire coming on you. So here we go. Here's the, here's the first thing we get from Peter. If we're going to grow in community, number one, let's keep on strengthening our connection with one another. Now, in that, I don't know about you, but in, a, in our family, kind of my wife and I, over many years, we've designated different roles to each other. Okay, so my wife is the practical one. I'm, I'm the other one, whatever that is. But there are some practical jobs I have responsibility for. One is the dishwasher. Anybody else in charge of the dishwasher? Okay, anybody else get irritated when people put spoons the wrong way up? It's like, it's just wrong. Okay, the other job that's definitely mine, or one of the other jobs, is king of the barbecue, king of the firelight. Anybody else do that? Now, I, I've been doing that for many years, partly because of my childhood experience of looking after the fire in the kitchen. So I, I've learned over the years, I, I can get a pretty good fire going in a barbecue using the same principles I learned as a child. So there's lots of principles, but the most important one, this is pretty basic, if you want the fire to keep going, you need to make sure you keep putting fresh bits of coal on the fire. Otherwise, what happens? It goes out. Or if you let the bits of wood or coal, if they get too separated from another, they burn for a bit and the fire diminishes. Do you know, if you want fire on your life, we need to keep strengthening the connection that we have with one another. You know, now look, look at, we go back to the church that Peter was a part of. How about this for connection? This is a connection of time. It says in Acts 2, 46, day by day, wow, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, okay? Now, I would say here are people who've learned something about committing to a time level of connection with one another, where there's that sense from Peter and his fellow disciples of we've done this for three years with Jesus. We can't live without this. So actually, now we've started this church, we're going to keep connecting. We're going to connect in the big, the temple, where there would have been thousands, and we're going to connect in the small, it's good to have the temple, but we need those places too where we know people and where we're known by them. So there's a, a closeness, a proximity where the fire can spread. 
Now, I, I, I realise that if anything like me, when you read the word daily, how many of you think, oh my word? <laughs> That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Daily. Now, of course, we live at a different time, of a different culture. And I know we live in, in a time where when you ask anybody how you're doing, what's the first word they say? I'm busy. Again, I'm pretty sure most of you here, if I said to you, how are you doing? You'd say, I'm good, but I'm busy. Now, how then do we build into our lives connection so they're sufficient to stay on fire for God? Do you know, I, I think you have to work out in your own life, what is the level of connectedness that means I can stay on fire? And I want to say as an aside, you know, it's pretty hard to stay on fire if your only connection with the fire and the family of God is once a month. I think it's very difficult to stay as a coal burning for God if I'm not getting that regular connection. I need that. I find I need at the very least to be in, in connection on a Sunday and connection in a life group. And, and can I encourage you, this, this is a Yorkshireman Luddite speaking, maybe we could use technology a bit. Somebody was introducing me recently to the wonders of WhatsApp. I still can't spell it, but I gather it's helpful for staying connected with people. We, we, because I'm in different cities, I'll, I'll sometimes connect with people via Skype and Zoom and other things. I've got a clue how they work, but other people set them up for me. But you know, you can stay connected without being physically there. But I want to say to all of us, Kingsgate, let's never ever lose the passion and the priority in our lives of staying. Let's give time to being connected together. But actually what we see in Peter's life is it's not only about a, co a connection of time, it's actually about a connection of depth. That in terms of being strengthening connection to each other, you can do that by deepening the relationships that we already have. I mean, look at this for a depth of connection between, which Jesus is modeling for Peter, James and John. Look, look at this. The night before Jesus goes to the cross, what does he feel he needs? He needs his closest friends with him. Mark 14 says this, Jesus took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Now I think there's, there's so, so much significance for us in this, these few words here. If Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of creation, needed not just his Father, but also connection with human beings with whom he'd created strong relational connection over three years of doing life together, I would gently suggest you do too. <laughs> and so do I. That actually God has designed us to be in community together with people and for there to be a few people in our life to whom we can say, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stand with me. Now, I want you to notice, though, here how wise Jesus is. He doesn't just drag in three people off the street he's never met before and start unburdening his soul to them. He's actually, he's being incredibly vulnerable here. He's revealing the, the deepest recesses of his challenge right now. And that's saying to us, you and I need to be able to do that, but we need to be able to do it with the right people. Jesus spent three years building a relational bridge. Think about that for a moment. Who are you building a relational bridge with where actually that, that connection can be so strong that you can say what Jesus said here? I, I read recently Rick Warren saying, who's the pastor of a massive church in the States, he said, I, I've been with many people in the last moments of life. And he said, you know, they, they never ever want to talk about the things they've achieved in life 
What's most important to them is the relationships. And actually what they want around them is the people who are closest to them, who they've built a relational bridge with. Do you know, I, I, I want to say to us in this Western society, let's be people who live our lives model according to how Jesus lived, how Peter lived, and build relationships where there's such a strong, a depth of community between us. And as you see here from Jesus modeling it, what it takes is time, yes, but it also takes vulnerability. Let me ask you, maybe you need to start building relationships like that. Jesus took years to build connection like that. Or maybe... There are people you're already connected to. How could you develop a new level of vulnerability and openness? Let's be a people who keep strengthening our connection to one another. Number two. But let's also keep on demonstrating God's love to one another. If I just take you back to the, the image of a fire. Um, one of the things I used to, to love to do with the, the kitchen fire we had at home was see how high I could get the flames to go. Anybody else ever do that? With, with the chimney, see if I could get it up the chimney, which I know is a bit naughty, and don't repeat it at home, okay? Nobody died in the preparation of this sermon. Um, they came close. Um, and I discovered something, that when you blow on the coals, what happens? The fire burns hotter and brighter. And I, I can tell you, I also discovered that if you lie on the floor and do it strong enough, you can get a headache. There's something about, apparently, the scientists tell me something about the oxygen that comes out of our breath that causes the fire to burn. Do you know, when we demonstrate love, the, the love of God to one another, it's like we're blowing oxygen onto the fire of one another's lives. Now, that's why when in Peter's letters, so Peter wrote a couple of letters, and they were meant to be read in one go. And it's like he keeps coming back to this theme. Church, if you want to be on fire for God, if you want to be a community for God, you need to love one another. L listen to this, let me give you three quick verses. So chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. Then a few verses later, he says, he says a similar thing. He says, finally, okay, he's a cracking preacher. In other words, it's a preacher's finally. This is a lot more to come. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other. Do you say? Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. And then, a few verses later, just in case we haven't got it, he says, above all. In other words, this is the most important thing. If you forget everything else, remember this one thing. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know Let's, it's like Peter's saying it, it's like he's shouting at us, isn't it? If we're going to want to be a people like God wants us to be, we need to be a people who love one another. Now, of course, the question is, what does it look like to demonstrate the love of God? And really what, what Peter's saying here is the love of God has come on the inside of you. The unconditional love of Jesus is in you. How do we make that visible? Well, we make it visible through acts, practical acts of kindness to one another. That although there is, there's, a, there's an affection for one another, it's demonstrated through action. Now, while I was preparing, I was reminded of um, how musicals can always bring great theology. You aware of that? Anyway, trust me on it. Musicals can bring great, great theology. And uh, 
One of the best musicals ever, so I'm told, is Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody heard of Fiddler on the Roof? Four of you, fantastic, come on. Well, here's a picture from Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, this is husband and wife, it's Tevi and Goldie. And the picture is taken from the moment where the husband is very worried that his wife doesn't actually love him. Uh, and he's seen his daughter get married for love, feeling of love. And he's saying to his wife, do you, do you really love me? Now, as you can see, she's not very impressed, is she? See, in other words, what, what she's going to say is, my love for you is demonstrated by what I do. Now, th this is her response to his question of, do you love me? Do you want me to sing it? No chance whatsoever. <laughs> okay, I love you too much to sing it to you. Okay, but th this, this is her response, okay? She says, do I love you? For 25 years, I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children and milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Then she turns to the audience and she says, do I love him? For 25 years, I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed is his. If this not love, what is? That was a round of applause there. About as close as you're going to get to me singing it. Love. God's love is always meant to be demonstrated in acts of kindness to one another. Do you know, here as a church, I am so blessed to be in this local expression of God's church family. Because pretty much every, every week I hear as a pastor amazing stories of how you are going around demonstrating the love of God to one another. Let, let me give you a couple of stories. Uh, the first one for me is from a, a very recent. Uh, we've got a couple in the church where I pastor. Uh, and they're going through what I would say is maybe the toughest thing in life. They're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And last week my wife and I, Zira and I, we visited them. And we were blown away by the beauty of the community that's around this couple. In the hour and a half that we were there, there were eight people who'd come just in that hour and a half, either from work or home or wherever, to come and do practical things for this couple. Cutting the grass, cooking them food, laughing with them, crying with them, praying with them, reminiscing with them. Do you know, when I left that home, I thought, that's community. There's a couple who are facing a stream of water on their passion for God, but because of the community that's around them, that's loving them and keeping them there, there's still fire upon them as a couple. And then let, let me give you another one. This is another guy, uh, and he, he, there's a family. They experienced a, a life-changing injury at work. They've gone on a two-year journey that's kind of threatened to take pretty much everything away from them. And he wrote to me last year, and he, he sent me a long email talking about how amazing the church family of Kingsgate is. Let me just read a little bit to you. He says, My amazing church family have prayed for me all the way through this season, and we will never be able to repay them for their love, kindness, and generosity. Their incredible faith, wisdom, and knowledge of the Bible has been a major catalyst in our situation. Through them, we've come to realize the truth. The Lord will take care of us and will supply our every need. At times, we've faced incredible hardships. We recall one week where we didn't have enough food to get to the end of the week. Okay, that's really happening in our church family. He says, we, were, we were, weren't sure what to do. The church family wasn't aware of it. But we prayed and trusted the Lord to show us the way. The following morning, there was a phone call from one of the church family saying the Lord had spoken to them in the night and they had something for us. They arrived that morning with a huge bag of food, 
steak, chicken, etc. We ate like kings. So they also often send scriptures and words of knowledge which were healing, uplifting and full of compassion. And then this, this is the underlining. This is the, that love kept their passion for God going. It says the impact of these acts strengthened our faith, strengthened our hope, strengthened our trust in God and our expectation in the Lord time and time again. Isn't that wonderful? I I want to say to you, Kingsgate family, thank you for being like that. Thank you if you're a life group leader, a connect group leader, a group pastor, a staff pastor. Thank you for demonstrating God's love to one another. But I I want to call us again to it today and say, let's not let that dim. Because, you know, every time that we demonstrate the love of God to one another, it's like you're blowing oxygen onto the passion of other people. But here's the thing, you'll also become more on fire. Have you noticed? When you do a loving act of kindness to someone else, you also get on fire. And often the best thing is to do, don't be worried about your own level of passion. Get out and love on people and you'll soon find that passion starts to rise up on the inside. Maybe even now you could think of, if you like, your circle of of friendships. You know, Jesus had three who were very close. He had 11 who were were also close. Then he had a wider group of 70 and and the crowds. And yet there were times when he spoke to individuals within there. Peter was the same. Maybe right now God would just put on your heart the name of an individual. Let let him speak to you today. Make it a habit during the week maybe and say, God, is there someone there in that community who you would have me show loving kindness to this week and then go and do it. <laughs> okay, let's, let's not be hearers of the word only. Let's be doers of the word too. So let's be people who keep on strengthening our connection with one another. Let, let's be those who demonstrate God's love for one another. And then number three, keep on seeking God's presence together. Let, let, let me take you back to the illustration of a, of a fire. Um, again, when I was a little boy, one of the things I loved being involved in was building a bonfire and be like building bonfires. And there was one thing I was never allowed to do. Okay, I was allowed to put the wood on. I was allowed to put paper at the bottom of the fire. And our bonfires were, were big. We spent months gathering the wood. One thing I wasn't allowed to do. Can you guess what that might be? I wasn't allowed to put the petrol on. <laughs> Only my dad was allowed to put the petrol on. But oh, wasn't that exciting? <laughs> When it went on and the flame went, now, just so you know, I never did that in the kitchen. Okay, please be aware. But there's something about that moment where even what looks impossible suddenly comes alive. When dying embers flare up, do you know? When we get together, there's a reason why you can leave fired up. It's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who brings a massive ray of fire into our lives. You know, let me ask you the question. Think about it. What is this, the single most important difference between the church community and the other communities that you can be involved in? I know if, you, if you're involved in a knitting club or a Pilates group or a, whatever it is, a football group, what's the difference between that and church, that and life group? Well, it's the presence of the King is in our midst. And that whenever we gather, whether it's thousands or whether it's two or three, Jesus, the sovereign Lord, he is in the midst of us. And whatever we're going through, whatever challenges we're facing, he is the one who can set us on fire as we gather again. Look, look at this 
incident from the life of Peter. He, he and his probably his closest friend John, this is after the day of Pentecost, that they were out, they, they've been sharing the good news about Jesus. They end up, as a result of that, they end up in prison and on trial. They then get away from that and they're freed. Now notice their response. Acts 4.23 says this. As soon as they were freed from prison, Peter and John did not go for a Big Mac. They returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. What did they do? What was their first response, not their last resort, when there's a crisis? They ran to the people of God. It was like, we need to get back in that place where the fire and the presence of the King is amongst us. You know, I, I want to say to you again today, if you've got a problem, if you've got a challenge, do you know what the greatest thing you can do is run to the church. Run to the place where the presence of the King is manifested. And see, you are not designed to carry burdens on your own. And that's what Peter and John are saying here. We need to get in that place where the people of God are. Now they, they go there, the church gathers around them, they pray. Then Acts 4.31, how about this for a response? Wouldn't this be great if this was your life group this week or the next prayer meeting that you're in? It says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. In other words, the presence of God was manifested amongst them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In other words, here were two men under the threat of having their passion dimmed because of the challenges they were facing, they get amongst the people of God and the presence of God and they go out on fire again. But there's something remarkable happens, you know, when we gather as the people of God in the presence of God. Jesus, the great fire starter, is in the midst of us every time we gather. So I, I, I was thinking of lots of stories. While I prepared for this, I was reminded of some of the things God has done in groups that I've been a part of during my, my life in Kingsgate. We've been, my wife and I have been part of the Kingsgate family for around 20 years. If there's a group, in a life group, cell group, home group, whatever group, we've probably been a part of it at some point. But God has done some remarkable things because of who He is. And I remember once when Zia and I were leading a life group uh, in the Fens, and there was a, a lady who joined our group. And she was, I'm just going to call her Janet, it's not a real name, but she was on the run from a terrible family situation. She came in at the time, she actually wasn't a Christian, but she came and she found a place of belonging amongst us as a life group community. One point she needed kind of protecting, she actually came and lived with us as a family. Now what I noticed over a period of time was first of all, she got on fire. She discovered what she was made for. She, she, she started to get healing on the inside of her life. And this lady who arrived with us really timid started to get really quite bold and confident. And I'll, I'll never forget one breakfast. She came down, she's having breakfast with us. And uh, she suddenly, she, she said, did you hear that door close? Like, yeah, yeah, I heard the door close. She said, no, no, but you don't understand. I have been deaf since I was eight. She normally wore, wore hearing aids. She'd forgot to put them in that morning. She said, I have been healed from that condition that I have as a child. And, I, and do, you know, do you know how she got healed? Purely by the presence of God in our midst. We didn't even pray for it. It was just the manifest presence of the King in our midst brought healing in her life. You know, as I reflected on that, and that 
she was on fire. Last time I saw her, she's actually moved away. But actually, last time I saw her, she's now leading a life group of her own and got her husband and, and doing really well. Isn't God good? But when you hear things like that, don't you think, God, we want more. We want more of your fire. We want more of your life. We want more of your power flowing in us so that every time we come together, whether it's massive or whether it's a life group, whether it's a couple of people meeting around coffee in a coffee shop, that actually we say Jesus is in the midst of us. Anything can happen as a result of our being together. And we raise our expectancy and we become those who it's just our habit that when we're together, we say, let's, let's seek God together. Let's, let's make the most of the fact that Jesus is present in our midst. I want to encourage you, make sure every time you gather as a life group, you honor the presence of Jesus in your midst. Every time you gather as a connect group, appropriately welcome the presence of Jesus and pray. When you gather with your friends, why not make it your habit to say, even if it's only for a minute, is there anything that I can pray for? Is there a situation that we can bring the presence of the healer and the king into? As I, as I bring this message to a close, I want to, to take a moment just to ask you a question. What is the next step as we kind of come to the end of our time together. What's the next step that you need to take as a result of today that you can do when you leave the meeting that you're in? Is it, what, what do you need to do to grow in community? Do you need to increase and strengthen your connection? Do you need to demonstrate love? Is there someone God's put on your heart? Or is it just that awareness that when we gather, God is always with us? And I want you to imagine for a moment what can happen as you do that, and then the rest of us do it too. Imagine just for a moment, hundreds of us, thousands of us across our four cities saying, we are going to be a people who are committed to community, growing in community, in order that we might be on fire and we might stay on fire, not only for our sakes, but actually for the people in our community and for the people belong beyond our community. You know, you, you, you might think, yeah, but I'm not Peter. I, I could never build community like that. I want to tell you, yes, you could. P P Peter started as a pretty rough diamond. And yet over years, as he built in community with other people through thick and thin, difficult times and good times, they became a community of people on whom the fire of God so fell that their lives were changed. The city was changed. Even you might say nations were changed. And I believe, you know, God can do the same amongst us and with us. That if we'll be those people who commit to community as God designed it, we too can be a people in whom the fire of God falls so that your life can be changed, stay changed, your family changed, your town changed, your city changed. And dare we say it, a nation be changed. Why don't you, you join with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are the great fire starter. Father, we thank you for coming to live within our lives, to dwell within us, to give us meaning and purpose and a sense of identity. But we thank you too that you've put us in a family, a community with a place of belonging. And Father, I ask you 
that you would help us strengthen community in these next few coming weeks and months. I pray every single person would leave the meeting they're in and they will go and do whatever it is that you've called us to do. And Father, we ask you as we do that, as we play our part, Father, we trust you that you will play your part, that you will pour out the fire of your spirit upon us. Father, that where people are dimming in their passion for you, a new passion will come upon them. Father, and where people are already passionate for you, that would increase and others would be drawn into that fire. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, why don't you say aloud, Amen. 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 Amen.